My fourth grade history teacher once told me, if you don't fucking vote Gilmore, you can't bitch. That's sound advice. That's why we here at Nowhere California want to encourage you to go to vote.org where you can learn all about voter registration and what you can do to have your voice heard, which will eventually help you deter from uh, things like what my seventh grade teacher said, which was, if you don't touch it, you're not going to get the A. You are now entering Nowhere, California. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast sites like iTunes by searching Nowhere, California. A reminder, Nowhere, California podcast is our old feed, so please subscribe to Nowhere, California, our new feed. Also, you can get your Nowhere, California fix online by going to our official website, NowhereCalifornia.com, and emailing us at Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. Ideas from everywhere, voices from nowhere since 2011. This is Josh. And this is Nick. And welcome to the Smoother Sounds of Nowhere, California. Yes, the easy listening side of podcasting. Yeah, if you were with us in our last episode, uh, the Why Not for Pump Up the Volume, you may have noticed, well, better audio. (laughs) I love that you're talking all kinds of smooth for the new microphone. Yeah. Spoiler. This shit makes us sound good all on its own. Yeah, minus those knocks and dings and... And snorts. Yeah. Like my uh, fucking coke habit. Yeah. During our last episode. But now we are with arms. Because so, uh, basically what happened was, at Christmas, my brother and sister-in-law, this was kind of a, how do we get something meaningful for Nick? Because my brother-in-law is a huge aviation guy, pilot, and um, uh, he loves Airwolf. Coincidentally, so I got the Blu-ray collection at Target. Uh, there's a shameless plug for your company. Yeah, uh, <laughs> boy, my, my current if, employers. <laughs> if eye rolls had a sound, oh wow. Um, so anyway, he, <laughs> I got him those, and he lost his marbles over that. So this last Christmas, he got me these toner, like it, it's a toner microphone. Uh, comes with the like the boom mic, uh, the arm. The um, cords, the cords, the filters, like pop everything. Sock. Yeah, the pop sock, all that stuff, or the uh, the jerk me sock, yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, the spit guard, like all Just everything. Yeah, everything came on board with this. So when we started researching it a little bit, and no, no judgment on them at all. I fucking love them. Um, it was relatively inexpensive. Yeah, you know, we're we're literally we're talking well, under fifty, under fifty dollars. Inexpensive, but highly rated. Right. For uh, beginning podcasters and stuff, which we're not beginning, but we just, you know, for something we're a little more... We're um, elevating our game. Right. We're a little more dedicated sound quality. So Josh was like, well, shit, yes, cheap and nice sounding is what we're gunning for. And so we got these. Well, well, one key thing with your your new setup was right. it wasn't USB. Yes, it wasn't USB. So uh, fucking the, the man... I always want to see the man behind the steel wheels, like you're DJing somewhere. Oh, yeah. um, but the but the man the man with the master plan sitting across from me here went out and got this crossover board that we have that uh, you can plug four mics into. It's a, it's a four way uh, port. Uh, for those of you in the porn industry, this is what you call yeah. a foursome. Um, but it it's just a it's basically a smaller version of the same kind of board that we used at the radio stations. Yeah. And so he uh, he tinkered around with it and figured it out and got it set. And here we are with this fucking amazing sound coming from these uh, relatively inexpensive microphone setup, relatively inexpensive, uh, you know, four-way crossover setup. Yeah, honestly, like we said, the microphones probably are under 50. I think they're yeah. about, I think I paid 
30 for both yeah. of ours. Like, yeah. you got yours, and I picked up two more. Right. I'm going to hopefully pick up one more to just make sure everybody's covered on all bases with us. Yeah. And but then, uh, and the board, though, I paid 100 bucks. Yeah, and uh, seriously, it's a and, solid and it's, board. it is a fantastic board. You know, he's able to uh, multitask everything from here. We can, I mean, we can even run headphones if we if we go with the professional cans. We can go with. Uh, <laughs> and since I'm the one that would be wearing those cans, um, no. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, we could we we all of us could plug them in for each yeah. one of them and listen to our own sound like what we sound like in our in our headset yeah so we can give you like on the go feedback i think to spread the uh neurosis around i think all of us would not be able to handle that (laughs) hearing our own voices Uh, (laughs) there's nothing that fucks me up worse than when i call christina and i can hear my voice resonating depending on how she has the audio in the car set up so if I hear myself talking back to myself, it's like I'm carrying this weird three-way conversation. Well, that's it, the thing that screwed oh, me up in my uh, open mic night. Hearing my voice was like, I sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? No, but uh, you, hey, you want to try something that's really fucking trip since we're you know off the rails kind of people here? Yeah. Um, my buddy used to call me from a satellite phone on board uh, the ship that he was, the USS Fort McHenry, when he was in the fucking Pacific Fleet in the Navy. Yeah. He would give me these calls, these phone calls, and they'd have anywhere from a 5 to 15 second fucking delay. Oh, God. Rattle off 15 seconds in your head, and that's how long, like, I dare you to try to tell a joke and get it to convey. If you go, knock, knock. I'm, I'm at the fucking door. Come on. <laughs> and then you get one of these. What? <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah, <laughs> a five-minute conversation turned into slightly over an hour. Or, or it's like a priest, a rabbi, and a monk walking to the bar. <laughs> a it what? Just, a priest you know, and a what? <laughs> it was ridiculous. But, but uh, um, you know, this this is going to lead me into uh, the lip service that I'm going to give to uh, our commander-in-chief here. And I don't mean fuckface45. Yeah, I mean, I'm about to say, don't no, lump me in with that No, talk. no, no. I'm talking our commander-in-chief here at uh, Nowhere, California. Our, our man, the man behind the steel wheels. You're a DJ today. I don't know yeah. why, but you're a fucking DJ well, today. I technically kind of do that shit. Uh, <laughs> so this guy here, for now eight fucking years. Yeah, as of this recording. Eight fucking years. Depending on the time we edit it. <laughs> has gone through various equipment changes, malfunctions, God, countless fucking flake issues. And I mean flake not as in dandruff, but us. Uh, you know, we've always said, you know, life before the mic. And, and we've we've adhered to that. But Jesus, it's encroached on his, his uh, you know, this is his catharsis, man. This is what he does. He found his voice and, and this is what he does. So whenever something interrupts, you know, of course, I feel immensely guilty. He's super understanding about it, but... It just kind of throws a throws a wrench in the works for him because he's looking for that outlet. You know, he wants to get on the mic, he wants to record, has all these brilliant ideas, and uh, I just hey, it's either editing or masturbation for you me. Know, well, I mean, you can do both. You're a multitasker. I've told you guys I've edited one hand before. <laughs> you uh, um, uh, listen to the Bird Cage episode of Why Not? But you know, honestly, just just to kind of wrap this up as quickly as I can, this guy here has been the the brains and the brawn done all the heavy lifting for nowhere california and uh has just made it a privilege and an honor to be part of this and has made me want to be better behind the mic as a result and uh and he's just he's just a talented motherfucker and i just you know i I tip my hat to you joshua gilmore for uh 
you know, for just fucking rocking it the way you have been, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really proud of you, and I thank you for letting me come along on this fucking crazy-ass journey. Thank you, man, and before I do my usual, like, okay, I don't like compliments, I can't do compliments, and rattle off some more, we'll do that later in the episode, though, because it, yeah. as we did mention, uh, we are starting our eighth year now, and starting new equipment, and everything, we've made it through our seventh year. Yeah, and, nuts! Yeah, just nuts. thinking about it now... It, if uh, my fourth grade math teacher was correct with my skills, uh, I think we have three more years, three more full years before we hit 10. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I failed all aspects of math, so that's no. Well, right. we're pretty I'm just going to trust you. We're pretty damn close to 10 years, so we'll, we'll discuss that more a little bit later. This is what my teacher taught me, and I know you can't see this on the other end of the mic, but I'm just going to smile and nod. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And that's the teacher going, Nick, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much it. Yeah. Let's hope he gets by on his looks. Well, it's gonna, not going to be much, but yeah. still. But uh, on a recent episode, recent regular episode of Nowhere California, um, I discussed crossing paths with an uh, Oscar winner and Sam Rockwell. Oh, that's, was that the one where you gave him the hand job in the bathroom? No, that, that was uh, freaking Charles Nelson Riley. Well, I mean, let's be fair. He deserves it. Yeah. He deserves it. Yeah. So Sam Rockwell, holy shit. Yeah, we, we, I discussed that. I know, I know. Okay. I'm still, like, I, I know. <laughs> no, it's not a thing of surprise. I'm just like, that's fucking, it's still rad to well, me. It's, it's like when we bumped into Seth Rogen on our way to Hawaii 18 fucking million years ago. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Yours was... Yours was nice because there was some there was some respect for the fact that he wanted to keep his celebrity quiet. Yeah. So I mean I, I know we told this on a on a previous regular episode, but just quickly catch us up to speed on it. Just um it was at Universal on my birthday, actually it was a Friday, so the park was wall to wall people. And I noticed a dude that looked familiar and kind of was like, Oh shit, that's Sam Rockwell. And kinda of went from there, didn't want to be the asshole going like, Hey, you're Sam Rockwell and encroach on him enjoying the park, so I kind of, as they walked by him and the like VIP guide and everything, I was just like, "Hey Sam," and gave me a wave. That's fucking rad, you know. Like, yeah. uh, you know, the fact that he acknowledged it and didn't make a big production. Yeah, over, you know, that's 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 kind of a, a nice, a deal, big you know? negative production because he, he did like a positive production. Like, oh hey man, how's it going? I've been like, uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect you to acknowledge that much, <laughs> but. Okay, so if you are considering the Rockwell encounter awesome and everything, how would you describe your recent encounter with Celebrity? And I'm talking about the man, uh, the Iceman. The Iceman cometh. Yeah, and I think you did a little cometh too. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so... We're we're talking about Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, okay. Val Kilmer, uh, for those of you that don't know, Val Kilmer did a... um, uh, He did a one-man play short play uh called citizen twain and it's about mark twain and it was basically uh mark twain addressing people uh you know since he's moved on to the afterlife and uh he's very much in in modern times in present day but addressing things from his perspective of when he was a riverboat operator and you know writer and auteur and whatnot and um you know and his ongoing uh struggles and and things like that and um it was so well received that it was on its way to Broadway. Here's the part that fucking blew my mind about the whole thing. For those of you that don't know, other than being the uh, sexy shirtless guy who snaps his teeth at Tom Cruise in uh, Top Gun when Tom Cruise says, That's right, Iceman, I am dangerous. <laughs> and uh, please, you know, fucking playing with the boys and yeah, volleyball uh-huh. on the beach. and. Yeah. 
You know, in, in retrospect, that might have been a little more homoerotic than I realized it was. Oh, that whole movie. I just had a girlfriend in, in high school that would gush wet rivers every time <laughs> Tom Cruise was racing the fucking Tomcats on his uh, motorcycle. Yeah. In the beginning, she's like, oh, man, it's hot. And then she was a big Val Kilmer fan, too, as well. Yeah. Too. She loved his stuff. Anyway. It's comments like that that yeah. make you come back to Newark, California <laughs> so, for the past seven years. Right. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, he... Uh, he was the youngest member, and I think it stands to this day, the youngest member ever accepted to Juilliard. I believe so. I think Juilliard is basically, and, and we, from watching the Robin Williams special that we, we recently both watched. Damn good documentary. Uh, the best way to sum it up was getting classic English theater training in America. Yeah. That's what Juilliard is. He was the youngest member of people like, okay, it's crazy. Um, you know, fucking Robin Williams, Christopher Reeve. I mean, the list goes on yeah. and on and on of people that, that have Juilliard. been to Juilliard. Um, youngest member ever accepted. He was preparing for a role to play Mark Twain in a movie and didn't feel comfortable stepping into the character yet. Feel like he didn't, you know, he felt like he didn't have a complete understanding of what was going on with Mark Twain. So he literally wrote a one man play to get into the role and it just took off like fucking wildfire well that's part of the Juilliard training like right. when you see the documentary you see everything the Rob Williams documentary you see everything that Juilliard has and what they do and everything and how Stoke and everything like right uh, the workshops the, the dean, just, uh, yeah. at that time when Robin uh, Christopher Reeves was in there is like everybody asks why we don't do TV and movie training is like, no, you're an actor. You're training to be an actor. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I to go back into previous episodes of Nowhere Again, since we're on our eighth anniversary. Um, I think it's seventh anniversary. Man. But we do have this discussion every fucking year. Every fucking year. Because math is not our strong suit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyhow, in, in a previous episode, we discussed that I've always felt that the better performances you get from people in film usually come from a basis in theater because we're used to doing it in one take. Yeah. That's it. That's all you get. So if you give me 15 takes and I have to give my best every time, you're going to get something phenomenal. Basically, you're going to get 15 different ways of editing it. You're right. not going to get one bad one, one no, good one, one No, and it's going to be slightly one, one. variant every single time. And, um, you know, it, it, it just to watch him do this, and what, what he's done now is because, he, for those of you who don't know, he, he had, uh, he's had a battle with cancer. Yeah. And it's cost him his voice uh, to some degree. And, uh, you well, know. like you said, uh, you told me, like, he pointed he's, out, like, he sounds I, like Brando. I sound like a little bit like Brando. <laughs> I sound a little like Brando. You know, it's kind of that nasally, yeah. stuffy, throaty kind of sound. And, um, but he, you know, but he super back. funny, super funny, man. Well, like when we got there to the improv, it was, it was done at the Ontario Improv, and uh, he was serving drinks to people, and yeah. like glad handing and coming out and meeting people. He was so fucking nice. He's such an approachable guy, like, and you, he's brilliant. It still makes me want to kick myself in the freaking taint every well, time. Well, you, you tell should, me, dude, because I tell you I what, man, that shit. we we shelled out. I think it was like sixty, sixty-eight bucks or something like that for the VIP tickets, which was well Whoa, worth it because yeah. we did a meet and greet later. We also sat right up at the front of the stage, so I, I'm literally as close to. You as I was to Val Kilmer God, so cool. within, a, you know, like I could reach out and shake his hand. And so just being riveted, listening to him speak about what was going on. And then it's converted from Citizen Twain to Cinema Twain. So he takes it places and shows you Citizen Twain 
in the film version as opposed to acting it out for you because of his limitations. Yeah. He's found a way to break the fucking barrier. Like uh, evolve the play. Right. And so, and it was just phenomenal. We had a nice Q&A afterwards. I, 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 yeah. I said something about his socks and uh, <laughs> it was on Twitter. I made some comment about that too. But uh, you know, all these people, you know, you get a ton of fan people. And when you've done iconic roles like Iceman and fucking Doc Holliday and... Well, hell, I would, if I was there, I would have asked about Salt and Sea. Not well, really which iconic, I think would have I no, but I think it would have completely caught him off guard. I'm surprised more people didn't talk about Heat. He was one of my favorite characters. Oh, in Heat. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much, so much that he's done. Uh, Real genius. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just so well, fucking the doors. Oh, yeah. Um, there, there's so much that he's done that's so fucking iconic, and uh, people want to ask about that. Yeah. As opposed to addressing the topic of Mark Twain, Mark Twain, and, 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 and so, you know, like how the, you know, like how did you go about this, and, and what you know, this is the performance you gave. How were you possibly doubting your skills to adapt to become Mark Twain when you when this? I guarantee you would have fucking got him a Tony. Yeah. If the cancer hadn't hit when it did, it would have got him a fucking Tony. It was amazing. It was I think just it's an the, amazing. I think it's show. like how we've talked about it, just recently about how yeah. we kind of beat the shit out of ourselves right. on like, oh god, like I did three pieces for NowhereCalifornia.com recently, yeah. and I'm my own worst critic. But the, I got to a point certain nights I talked to my therapist about it when I was finishing up the Star Wars one. Yeah. I was starting to beat myself up about the close to it, and then I was like, no, overthinking it. Publish. Well, it, it, it's so true that we're we're, all, we're our own worst critics, and that's probably you know, the same big thing with uh, actors from, especially Juilliard. Yeah, I, I'm. I think, see, to some degree, I think all stage actors are a little bit spoiled. The ones who really are aware of their talent and are aware of their craft. Yeah, and I I think that they they take a moment and they they pour over and over and over and over until it's it's like um, if you take a cheap vodka and put it through a filter. It makes it better. Uh, and it makes it better. And then you do it again and do it again until you try to come up with the best, you know, un- until the gateway to God opens up and you yeah. just have over you know, filtrated it to the point that you have this amazing liquid. It's just you know, liquid it's just, Yeah, it's just fucking amazing. So uh, you pee lasers and it's it's fantastic. So uh, that, that wait, burned a little bit. What were we talking about? No, I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a thing where you become so critical of yourself, you know. But a lot of people were kind of going off the rails like uh what was your favorite how how fun was tombstone uh what's going on with top gun 2 which he did very quickly go well i got this fancy haircut and uh you know hair color you know all stuff and he says "Uh, i'm ready to go if they're ready to go sort of thing and it was shortly thereafter that it was officially announced yeah he's he's a part of couldn't do top gun 2 without no fuck no you couldn't even Uh, if it's just a brief like can't forget about me right (laughs) and you know and so it's it's um you know, like we we had this, you know, in the midst of everything, one of his, like, he kicked off his shoes and he had these socks on. And I was fucking fascinated by these socks. I had never seen a sock that was so multi tiered in color, but I couldn't describe it as tie dye. It yeah. wasn't a tie dye, it was literally just this fucking, uh, it, it wasn't even a, uh, like an amalgamation. It was just this amazing burst of greenish yellow and I was all what the fuck but it, it never duplicated itself anywhere it was like the pie of socks like yeah. you could you could calculate it out and you'd have to go thousands of fucking places and it never repeats yeah. it just was amazing and I was like damn those are fucking cool so I tried to bring a little bit of humor to it and I was just like you know I put my hand up and he goes yes sir you and I said uh, first of all uh, aside from you being an amazing actor I have to ask you one question I promised myself I would ask this one question 
the hell did you get those socks? Those are outstanding. And he laughed about it, and so did some of the other people. But then he's like, and we'd been involved in the Q&A for a while. And yeah. he says, well, uh, at that point, when we start talking about my socks, that's that's when we know the show's over. <laughs> and I thought, no, I was serious. That's why I wasn't. No, I want to talk to you so much more. Uh, not as much as the fucking chick who sat at our table who had two bottles of wine and had to be escorted off stage because she kept talking to him and he needed to take pictures with people. Yeah. Um, she was fucking spectacular. Yeah, gotta uh, love those people. You know, we didn't walk out of there empty-handed, uh, you know, besides just uh, yeah, pictures say, and stuff like that. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Uh, his girlfriend runs a lot of his... Um, Memorabilia and things like that. You got some badass stuff Amongst too, his fucking memorabilia, uh, there are tons of fucking... Because his favorite role outside of Mark Twain? Yeah. Doc Holliday. Yeah, Mine too. Uh, I, it's my favorite, favorite fucking uh, uh, Val Kilmer role is, is, is uh, Doc Holliday. So we found this art that's done... It's like graffiti art. It's like spray paint art. Yeah. And um, it was a, like the spray paint thing on a, on a metal board of Doc Holliday. And it's just basically... I can actually tell you the exact scene because I'm looking at it and I go, hey. And I said it, I, you know, I I'd said to, to him and his girlfriend when he was out front, I was like, hey, that's from, that's when you guys were approaching the OK Corral. And he was just fascinated at the idea that, like, you, you were like frame by frame, you knew that fucking shot. Yeah. But, you know, you can pick certain stuff out. Like, there's, they, clearly, if you see Neo bent over backwards, you know it's, you know, agent shooting at him and he's bending bullets for the first time, you know, yeah. you know all that shit. So this was... Literally him walking up, and it's when he comes walking up on the OK Corral and has just thrown off his fucking uh, duster, and he brings up the shotgun to face the, the Clantons and the McClowers. Yeah. And fucking, it's that look, uh, that smug fucking look like, how oh, here I am, you know? Yeah. As uh, Virgil refers to it on the street howitzer. Or, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Wyatt says that to, to Virgil. Um, but it, it's just a great picture, and it's actually signed by him in paint. Uh, we bought that, and then uh, I also he has a collection of custom uh, Funko Pops, oh, <laughs> and he's got one that's called the Lizard King because of course you can't you know say fucking Jim Morrison yeah uh, <laughs> without infringing on something else, but uh, it's got the Lizard King on there, and then it's got uh, um, you know his it, it's uh, there's Iceman, um, well fuck all that stuff. There's a uh, Doc Holiday. The holiday one. There's the Doc Holiday one, which is also signed by him in uh, gold, gold ink or something like yeah, that. Yeah, gold sharpie. Yeah, and it's and it's limited and it's sealed and it's all you know beautiful and fantastic. Yeah. Favorite Funko Pop, yeah. hands down, hands fucking down. Uh, actually, probably a dead tie with my uh, Stay Puft that's signed by uh, Dan yeah. Aykroyd. Well, you can't argue that one, right? Because I mean that's so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but it was. It, all in all, it was just a great evening. Such a gracious, you know, a dude who completely knows that. He's an iconic fucking star, but has no problem just sitting down with a common man and, and you know, like he's he's the kind of guy that would have saddled up next to me, put his hand on my knee and been like, What are you drinking? What's going on? Yeah. How's how's your evening going? And literally he was doing that. Yeah, and he he just met people and experienced people and I tell you, if you ever get a chance, just go up and shake his hand and just say, Hey, you know what, I just you know, thanks for being real. Oh yeah. You well, know, I that think the next thing. time you see him you're gonna be like, You'll do that and be like, Seriously, I just wanna know about the socks. Right. I mean <laughs> I wasn't being a dick. <laughs> If personal events hadn't uh, uh, taken place the way they had, I would have been heading out to Tombstone for the uh, the Doc Holidays. Yeah. Uh, because he and um, uh, Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Are gonna, uh, from uh, the Kevin Costner. Wider. Yeah, the Kevin Costner Wider film, uh, which was a fucking great one too. But goddamn, what a shadow! What a shadow well, that was cast by Val. Well, still Tombstone. I still get people at my work 
that just flat asked for it. And oh yeah. There's not a solid Blu-ray release from I know of. Like no, the, I think the there was thing a, you get... a general Blu-ray release, and there hasn't been any kind of like well, the deluxe first, or specials or the first special edition that they did DVD allowed you to play the Pharaoh game that that uh, Wyatt deals and stuff, and that's it's fun. And I think there's that's a probably lot the reason of great extras that's been in history. popular. Yeah, yeah. There's, a lot there's of been great a Criterion edition, I believe, but not. Right. So I'm sure as we approach like the 30th anniversary, 4K world and all that, we're going to get something big on that. I'm pretty sure. But uh, since we got a little time, and we might as well get a tombstone. Yeah. What a fucking fantastic person to meet, and I I highly, you know, uh, just in the off chance somebody hears this and mentions it to him, uh, Val, Mr. Kilmer. I see. I feel like I just you call. It's so relaxed. I feel like you just be like, hey, Val. Yeah. Like you just chat with him. Val, thank you so much for a wonderful evening. Thank you for sharing your passion with us. And uh, seriously, Citizen Twain is easily, and I'm a huge theater guy, you know this, yeah. easily my favorite one-man, fucking even two-man play. Yeah. And that's in light of Waiting for Godot and some other ones like that. You know, like it, it just it was phenomenal. Right, I'll, so, I'll chime in with Ontario Mills. Get his ass back out here, please. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think if he if he does another tour of stuff like this, yeah, and yeah absolutely. You know, you need to fucking bring uh, him around, Ontario so. seems to be a uh, favorite spot for a lot of people because it's such a random. It's a hole in the wall place that not a whole lot of people are super super aware of. Even people who live in Ontario. Yeah, but they there's just, comics you know, that it's it's their go to. Yeah, and then you see Kevin going there and. When I, yeah, I was the one that told you about this yeah. show. Yeah, and that's and, and that's how I like, met fucking Jamie. <laughs> well, not how I met. It's, that's how I got my picture with Jamie yeah. at that time, you know. And uh, you're the one that you know told me about Val, and I was like, "Fuck yes!" And we bought him that second, you know. Yeah. But if you ever get a chance, go down. It's very intimate. It's very you know, very quiet, you know, and it's it's a lot of fun. A it's lot of fucking cool fun. place. I'll be yeah. going there in November for my tenth year with Titus. Fuck yes, that's awesome, dude. I'm so excited for you on that one. So with that, I counter out of the way. Um, Back to the fact that we've been doing this shit for seven years. Fucking seven years, and uh, wow, just we've covered a plethora of topics. And every time an anniversary episode comes up, you check, <laughs> take a look at our past episodes. Right. Like one of our first uh, anniversaries, we did the uh, Declaration of Independence from Hollywood, our ideas of taking over Hollywood. Um, right. One we did. Uh, if Nowhere California had its own sitcom, and I rattled <laughs> off the ideas for that, and I still sometimes that the different ideas will pop in my head, and one of them I'm thinking about doing the pilot. The idea I've been running with lately, I've been thinking about doing the pilot as a short film, but also to, to it could tumble into a series. You never know if whoever sees it the right time. <laughs> I always pictured us as sort of a, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but with a more uplifting. Yeah. You know, like the, not the complete moral degradation of our characters at all times, but it's in the mix and it just happens to take place in this, this shithole desert. So yeah, it, it, it revolves around a podcast right now. The, the one that's in my head, uh, the main character may resemble somebody you might know that you're looking at right now with a weird blank look. He's a, Already under contract with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. There's no way you're going to get Danny DeVito to play you. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Fucking right? Basically, dude goes in the mental institution for several months, gets out, re- reevaluates life and everything, uh, and reconnects with one of his friends uh, who runs a video store, and they just started doing a podcast. Which is very, very... Uh, mirror-esque of, of kind of how things happen here. Yeah, exactly. And then the first episode, of course, me being me, growing up in the world of uh, Titus's sitcom and Always Sunny in Philadelphia and everything, yeah. first episode would be a dude coming in and the lead character and his friend realized, oh, this dude's going to kill, kill himself. 
So we got to keep him here. Yeah, let's keep him occupied. Until we can get some of his friends or his family here. Right. And then the lead character goes into his story of why he went into the mental institution and everything. See, now, the minute you said that, I think, okay, so he joins up with a guy at the video store. And that's where we find that he has this vast fucking pop culture knowledge, which parlays into... Bill. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, there's one scene I play all the time in my head where the lead character is standing there talking to the guy, and the kid runs in mm. because he's being chased by a bunch of bullies, and Phil, well, just flat out just say Phil, goes, go ahead, go into the adult room. And the kid just bolts right into the freaking porn room, and the lead character's like, what... Wait, what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then Phil just goes, "There's nothing back there. Internet porn. Close that room off. That's my office." Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no one goes in there. <laughs> that's awesome. And then they trick the bullies, and then it's and that's when the boy discovers a book that has like the Orin on the cover yeah. and <laughs> steals it and goes to the school. I'm sorry, that's yeah. Well, no. the kid is revealed to be the son of. The girl the lead character had a crush on forever. Oh. Yeah. So it's all sitcom bullshit. Look at you go. And then like last year we did the 24, the you have 24 hours left to live, which movies you right, watch. Right, right. Which we, I fucking won by accident. Yeah. Uh, that you did shit very well. 24 hours right on the fucking money. And then we got some good just submissions from some of our favorite people from yes. the past and everything. Yes. And as we did kind of uh, talked about and everything. We did not have a lot of time to spread the word out to get different feelers on the topic we're about to dive into. No, and honestly, it happens. It, it's okay. I mean, we're gonna have we got some other pretty pretty big stuff coming up. Yeah, we, we got, got some, some pretty big topics and stuff coming up. Um, we're gonna put our serious pants on. Yeah, again. do you mind if I throw one of them out there? Yeah, definitely. Um, we're going to uh, cross the topic of fan bullying. Yeah, and the how, toxic yeah, fandom. Like how, you know, like Daisy Ridley and um, you're going to have to forgive me. I, I can't Rose any, from. Yeah, Rose from Star Wars. And um, shit, even the, the girl who's playing Starfire in the new Titans. Yeah. Just. Uh, the dude that played Jar Jar. Yes. Uh, uh, fucking, how about, uh, um, uh, you know, Jake Lloyd who played uh, Anakin in uh, episode one. If you're seeing a fucking pattern here, it's a lot of Star Wars fans. For the longest time, I thought it was Trekkies that were really hardcore about shit. Yeah. And they are about the technical side of things. They get really into it because that's what Star Trek does. But Star Wars... People are downright fucking hateful and mean and shitty, and it doesn't but help also that too, in the society that we're in. We have all the this world that we're living in lately. Yes, it's even it just it's expelling from yeah. And we're going to dive into that world of toxic fandom and yes, because there's a lot of stuff that just irks. It just fucking chaps. My literally, ass. I think like I've been thinking that title for that episode is probably going to be the Biden hand that feeds because we're. <laughs> Yeah, that's absolutely because, a great title for it. And I even told you this. If there is ever going to be an episode where people stop listening to us, it's probably going to be that one. You know, I... <laughs> and honestly, I'll even say it again during that episode. If it makes you stop listening to us, go fuck yourself. Good. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Because I mean, we should be able to have opinions in this day and yeah. age about, you know, counterpoints and things like that. God that's forbid how, to... That's minds, how fucking... Yeah, that's yeah. how discussion... That's how healthy discussion... That's why that's we how do healthy this. debate is spawned when you have two opposing sides who... Who can talk about things openly and passionately without shitting on another person? Yeah. I'm talking to you, Tom Rowley. Yeah. Fuck face on my, on my on my Facebook. And yeah. if he's listening to it, which I doubt he is, 
eat a dick. Um, I'll reiterate it. You're giant ass bag, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I've seen your guys' conversations. So, and this is a guy that, that in, under normal circumstances, I would call a friend. But Jesus, man. It's, it's the old adage of, of talking about you know money and politics and shit. That you just don't do that shit. Yeah. Uh, or, I'm sorry, religion and politics. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. bad. It's bad in this day and age. Enough of that negative shit. Yeah, enough shit. of that fucking negative shit. I want to throw something out just really, really fucking quickly before we jump into this main topic. I want to tell you my two favorite episodes that I can think of right off the top of my head over the last eight years. Oh, wow. Of, oh, okay. of nowhere, California. Um, of course, the first episode he was on. No, <laughs> was not. Uh, it is two that I happen to be on. Um, because, you know, young talented fucks needed me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, my, my first very favorite, nearest, dearest to my heart discussion that we ever did was about mental well-being and, you know, our discussions about uh, anxieties and stuff like that and, and uh, where we had Doug and Monique and uh, – was that Michael's – Michael? I think, yeah, Michael's yeah. in the mix. With the whole, like – it was we basically all gathered the, in Phil's the fucking violence, recording room and, uh, and, and media and whatnot. Yeah, and violence and media and then we talked about uh, – you know, um, mental health. Yeah, yeah, dealing with anxieties and mental health issues and things like that. And I think it was—it's really fucking important, especially in, in this day and age. And if you get a chance, filter back through. All, you know, we'll, we'll try to link up the the exact number. I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, you know, it was one of my favorite episodes. And then the other one, and I and I have to say, this is one of our why nots. Uh, the birdcage. God damn it, we had so much fun doing that. That and so I married an axe murderer. Yeah, I ate that shit up. No, probably. Probably uh, Birdcage more than anything else. Oh, was it we real? had so much fun doing that because we just laughed through the whole episode. Yeah, and then how the audio clips just worked and yep. just, everything just worked yeah, so perfectly. Everything came together on that. And I'm it was, so happy we're back to doing It was just such a passion play for all of us because we love that movie. And you know? we love Robin. Yeah, we love Robin in that. And, and Nathan Lane and everybody involved in the movie was fucking Gene Hackman. <laughs> like, there wasn't a bad actor in that no, fucking film. No, it was a perfect movie. Agador's part the fucking... I would have done this seeing David Allen Greer do his role. Yeah. It happens. You know. Uh, but anyhow, let's let's roll into our main topic. Thank you guys for hanging around for uh, seven or eight, whatever our fucking math comes out to. Hey, just know we're gone in for at least ten. Yeah. If it's in, if we did it a new math, none of us would understand where we were at anyways. God, I don't Welcome to 2044. That's mm-hmm. the year we'd be in with new math. Yeah. So, exactly. Um, when I was trying to decide what topic we were going to do for this episode, I was thinking about all those episodes of the past and everything. I think we did like dip into this topic a little bit mm. but I, I really want to dive deeper into it uh, now because I want to talk about Hollywood urban legends. Oh shit, there's not, so many of them too. Not fan theories. Okay. Like let's say the yeah, yeah. the Jetsons myth of that the Jetsons, Jetsons are the, are upper, the crust. Rich, yeah, yeah. upper crust and the Flintstones live in their time in period their and they're the yeah. poor that live on the dystopian earth. Exactly. Uh, and that, that's you, a fan theory. That's one of my favorite fucking fan theories because I'm like, ooh, that's, ooh, that's interesting shit right there, you know? Yeah, no, we're talking about urban legends, the stuff like Slender Man and all that stuff, but in the world of Hollywood, right? And I guess with that kind of lead-in, we might as go well go into something in the vein of a mythical creature, I guess. Okay. With the. Dead boy in Three Men and a Baby. Motherfuck, dude. This thing goes back to the late 80s, early 90s for me. Fucked me up. Oh, I remember too. I remember my sister showing me that clip and it scared the crap out of me when I was little. 
Somebody told me about it and they were like, no, 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 watch. And I remember sitting in my friend Matt McNamara's house in Huntington Beach and his mom and his dad, sister, uh, brother-in-law, like we were all sitting around and the sister goes, you know about the ghost in this, right? And we're like, what the fuck did you just say? Yeah. And she goes, yeah, when Ted Danson and his mom are walking through the apartment and he's trying to plead with her to take care of the baby and stuff, when they walk past the curtains, there's you'll see the shadow or you'll see the ghost the of a little of a ghost, boy yeah. that's standing behind the, the curtains who died, killed himself, killed himself or hung himself, shot himself. so many fucking different variations of what happened. You know, uh, I, I pretty much, I blame all this on the, the fucking, uh, um, the Twilight Zone, the movie oh, accident, yeah. you know, where people actually did die on the set, well, but, you know, well, it's it just thing. begets all this other creepy shit. Well, part of that story too is the kid died in the house. They said everybody yeah. kept saying house. He died house. in the house. He died in the but house. But then with us being us, yeah. when our minds really start going in the movie world, you learn that wasn't filmed in a house. It right. was filmed in a studio. Uh, and not only that, it was, uh, if I remember correctly, wasn't that an apartment? It was an apartment, yeah. Yeah, it was an apartment, not like, a fucking house. Like and so a you go, wait a minute, house. you dumbass. Yeah, it was like, these are, this was an upscale apartment in, yeah. in, I believe, New York. Yeah. And then, the, and then to come to find out, it's not even an apartment. It's fucking on a soundstage. Yeah. And uh, so we had to, you know, we had to call bullshit on that. Uh, so because we're movie junkies. Who is? What is the ghost? Well, okay. First of all, explain your friend from Target to fucking day. Yeah, today in 2018. <laughs> I uh, love this too. I was leaving work and everything, and uh, I've learned like a couple of my managers and stuff are just hardcore nerds so right. I, I can get some good conversations with them and I was talking to one of them and I was like hey we're doing this we're doing our anniversary episode and we're going to be talking about Hollywood urban legends is there anyone that you that kind of mind off the top of your head yeah that I was hoping to find one that I didn't look up or anything but he was like oh you know what the ghost kid in three men and a baby I'm like really you, you, do you know the backstory on that I was like no I gave him the full story on it right and the look on his face was just like you blew my mind. Right. And see, and that's, that's kind of my thing is like, you have to come to a decision. Do you break this person? Do you tell them that yeah. everything you believe, like, do you pull back the veil and show them the wizard? Or do you say, no, that fucking giant carpet in the fuzzy picture that's lumbering through the woods really is Bigfoot. Yeah. You know, like, what do you do? How do you, how do you address that? That hand coming out of the water is really the Loch Ness Monster. And of course, Jeff's probably listening to this right now going like, you didn't blow my mind, you, you fucker. You fucker, that's not true. I was just like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you, it's our podcast and we'll fucking, you're a, you're a fuck cross-eyed pirate. It's what you are. That's what you are. He is one of my bosses. That's, I don't care. <laughs> I he's don't a nice there. guy, but he's a cross-eyed pirate. It's like, I don't work there. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, you did allude to another one real quick there with your mention of the man behind the curtain with the Wizard of Oz. Oh, the the fucking uh, the guy that hung himself in the back. Yeah, the Munchkin suicide. Was it a Munchkin suicide? See, I thought it was just somebody else. The the way I looked it up, it was Munchkin suicide. Okay, now to be fair, if you want to look into your history, and this is this is our shit fucking history here, uh, and I don't mean like it's a shitty recall of a historical event that we horribly waxed over. I'm just talking about our shitty history from the 30s and 40s and stuff like that. Most of the Munchkins were paid less than what Toto was paid. Yeah, and, which is pretty fucked up. But yeah. also, too, from our... From what I heard, they got uh, half wages. <laughs> I'm just going to leave they that They were paid on small scale? Yes, yes. That's <laughs> but also, too, from what we've learned from Hollywood Babylon and everything, too, those guys were dicks. Lots of them were dicks and just fucking glad grabby sexual me too back in the day when it should have been yes. that time think of old 45 grabbing people by the pussy yeah but at a like on a miniature scale yeah smaller hands 
Yeah, well, yeah, but, <laughs> but firm, firm but gentle. It, it's not excusing him because they were dicks. Yeah, and I mean, they felt up fucking uh, uh, Judy Garland. You know, Judy Garland and, constantly. I can only imagine why she was drinking so much. Right. And, and just like, these little But fuckers. I mean, you have to understand, too, this is the same set, you know, where the, if you look up the, the costume for the Cowardly Lion. Yeah. That was a real lion fucking skin that he wore. Yeah. Yes, it was stitched into a costume, but that was real lion. And then there was that uh, another slight urban legend there Mm -hmm. too that the paint used on the Tin Man was lead based and killed him. Uh, Yeah, there's that, but there is some truth behind the paint. The original person to play him was um, yeah. uh, Oh fucking yeah, Beverly Hillbillies. (laughs) Um, uh, God dude, damn it! Uh, I can't think of his name. That Jethro or no, yeah. the guy who played uh, uh, Jeb Clampett. Jeb Clampett. Yeah, you can look. He was up. supposed to be the Tin Man, but the paint when it was applied to him, he had an allergic reaction to it and couldn't do it. Yeah. So you know, uh, well, you you get an entire shift in in the the film because of that. So yeah, but. Also, too, that could lead into the next one. Oh, motherfucker. Look at me segueing by accident. Yeah. By the way, I went into this blind on purpose because I was excited about hearing some of these. Uh, so, so yeah. Since I'm saying it's a segue, let's see if you can guess this one. Somebody going off the edge in a fucking segue? Like the creator no. of Segway who died? No, 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 talking about the Tin Man oh, okay, and paint. Go oh, my God. Christmas Story. No. No, okay. Because I just I like I, the Tin I'll give you Man. one more guess. Think, uh, think Paint. And killing someone. One of your favorite franchises. Oh, uh, fucking Goldfinger. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Goldfinger and Bond. Yeah, I know uh, this one. Shirley Eden's death on Goldfinger. Yes, not true. Yeah, it was not true. They, no. One, uh, they kept up. She wasn't completely covered in the paint. Right, and and that's kind of the thing is uh, a lot of people don't know this, but if you dip yourself completely in paint, guess what you do? You close off your pores. Yeah. Um, a really good episode of Mythbusters in the past. Yeah, and... Was that what proved? Was that proved true? That you I think, think they you could die from that. Like but it, it, takes to, a, it takes a while, right? It takes a while. It would. It would take longer than I can just still, a day on the set. I can still draw oxygen this way, but yeah, I, yeah you know, it like chokes off your cells. It's kind of like submerging yourself in water and staying that way. You know, like you you really fucking prune up pretty hard. Sorry. Yeah. No. But, <laughs> but yeah. That, but that was the, the myth, though, where she was. Completely painted gold yes, and died, and, and died. Um, then also too they did the patch of skin. But from the research and everything I read, they it, it was like her stomach was completely unpainted. Oh yeah, no, there was a there was a good portion of her that was unpainted. Uh, yeah, I think because she was the, just laying there. Yeah, she was just laying on the bed uh, and and painted that way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she got sick from said oh, paint yeah. or something like that because you know <laughs> we used to treat things with mercury. Exactly. So uh, asthma cigarettes were weed, you know. So uh, you know maybe maybe not all the history, man. Yeah. But um, you know, yeah. So there's there's all there's always shit like that where people are like, oh, did you know? Yeah. I love those. Those are fantastic. Yeah. It's. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead, and then I'm going to rattle one off that I know off the top of my head. Okay, well, I was about to say your segue uh, streak ended. Damn it. Yeah, I couldn't find one to go with what you were saying, so what's yours? The Poltergeist. Oh, yeah, I do have that on the Do you have it on there? Okay. The Poltergeist Curse. Yes, the Poltergeist Curse that killed the uh, girl who played Carol Ann. And And everybody. uh, Killed the son, the daughter. Yeah. Both daughters. Pretty much all the fucking kids, yeah. Because why have real skeletons? Right. Okay. Steven Spielberg, you're you're a genius, but you're a nutcase. <laughs> it's. I get it because it adds the realism. You know, like I totally fucking get why you do that. Well, at the same time, that's fuck that. Yeah, that's fuck. That movie's one of the scariest movies ever put on wax. Oh yeah, and, and it's I'll, not graphic or anything. Yeah. It's just it's fuck. It's just fucking creepy. Yeah. It's just a scary, creepy fucking film. You know, and um, 
God damn it. You know, like, when when Carol Ann, the girl who played Carol Ann, died, uh, I was in June. College? El- no. Fuck <laughs> your rule. <laughs> Uh, it's been a while since I'd done an old joke. I see. I, I come with the Danny DeVito and he rolls right into the old fucking droopy balls jokes. So, <laughs> I said nothing about your saggy balls. <laughs> Shut up. It makes it so much harder to shave them. Anyway, the I think I want to say I was like in either elementary school or, or just started junior high um, when when she passed, and I was like, "Fuck that!" You know, like that sucks because she's. Beautiful little girl, oh, yeah. young, you know, and I, I think she was probably in her double digits at that point. I think uh, in I, 10 and 11, yeah, I, I think, think she was like 11, 11. And just got sick and yeah, she got sick and fucking gone, gone yeah. that fast. You know? And then the uh, older daughter got killed by her boyfriend. Uh, so uh, yeah. next one, Dirty Disney. Oh yeah, because this, dude, notorious fucking artist doing shit like this. Because this is going to be a little bit of a conversation now. Because we, I have several examples here. Uh, one, the Little Mermaid cover. Well, okay, so let's preface this by saying just because you work for the Clean Mouth doesn't mean you have that, to be clean. Yeah, you're because a clean the thing person. about the cover was the person that did the art mm-hmm. wasn't officially working for Disney. Well, okay, is that the case? Because from what I heard, that this is the other urban legend to that was that in just just before he was finishing up with the project, he had been ter- he had been let go and terminated, yeah. and decided, and that, decided you know here. what I'm going to put a fucking big old coral dildo <laughs> in the background, which he did. Yeah, but then also too, somebody mentioned in the vid- the video I was watching as I was gathering this information, was like also too those pillars and stuff. They are kind of just phallic in general. Look, fuck yourself. There's never been a time that I've drawn a dick on accident. Oh, yeah. Not drone. Oh, yeah. I just said drone a fucking dick. <laughs> My God. Uh, there's never been a time that I've drawn like a, a, a fucking wiener on somebody's folder or their locker or something like that that I didn't know exactly what the hell I was doing. I've never written or drawn something and been like, holy God, that looks like a cock and balls. No. Well, it's Floridian. Dude, that, <laughs> thing, looked, that thing looked like he, he just took it right out of his wife's drawer, stood it up, and was like, mm, held his thumb out for fucking scale, and fucking painted fire a me. dick <laughs> right there on the cover of Disney. Another one and good on you, son. That was, I and mean, you got it in there. We got the fucking case in the garage. I'll yeah. show it to you when we get done. Um, another one from uh, Little Mermaid is the priest's erection. <laughs> That's hard to refute. Yeah. I get the angles are fucking funky, and it's like, but God, he's got a, he's got a heart on it. <laughs> That motherfucker's got a hard on. I don't yeah. know if it, if this falls into the ar- urban legend category. This has a lot of support. Oh no, yeah, lots of. That's a terrible choice of words. <laughs> it holds up. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's on solid foundation. I would agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do we got any more cock jokes? <laughs> I'm sure we do. I'm sorry. What could it go with with erect? Uh, this one stands erect on its own. Yes. Um, um, then yeah. another one is take off uh, good teens, take off your clothes in Aladdin. Is that what they fucking say? Well, it's supposedly that's what everybody says he says. But then uh, on closer inspection, it's... Oh, it's just the take, take off your clothes. Yeah, okay. It's more Aladdin telling the tiger, good tigers, go away. Butchering the line, but basically saying for Raja to get the hell. Right, yeah. right. But everyone's like, he's saying good teens take off their clothes. Okay, then there's... I'm going to throw the one out that I know, the sex in the line. Yeah, thing, there's sex in the Simba line. flops down on the fucking ridge and the... The yeah, dust uh, The message pollen. to Rafiki, which, if it does say sex, weirdly got creepy as hell that he got that excited when he (laughs) but then also to everybody that worked on it was like no it's our shout out to the fx department because it does look like fx yeah it does that's what i thought too i'm like i see an f and an x but i don't see a fucking i don't see exactly so i I, i'll give i'll back him up 
And, and to wrap up the Dirty Disney, because we could do several episodes on Dirty oh, Disney. Oh, boy. Yeah. The one that was legitimate. The one that was proven without a doubt. Even I've seen e- it. Even if you, you can, stop frame it, you can see it. You can dodge around the freaking priest's erection all you want. There's the a, there's naked tits and the rescuers. That and uh, let's not forget about the uh, the old pussy shot and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, no, that was a uh, yeah, that was a full on Disney movie though. No, but it was very it was Disney there. rooted. <laughs> yeah, it was very Disney rooted. But yeah, the, the I, I found out about this maybe a decade ago, and I'm all, I'm all shut the living hell up. Yeah, I had no fucking oh, yeah. clue. Like first of all, rescuers. It's Don not, Bluth. Not it's Don Bluth era stuff, and I'm like, mm. hey, don't don't disparage Don Bluth. I fucking piss on Don Bluth. There's only one of his films that I like. I will kick you square in the taint. Really? What's your favorite? All of them. Oh, you. Suck. Secret of Nim is amazing. Secret of Nim's all right. I give you that. Fivefold. Fivefold. Those are the only and two. Like I Black Cauldron is straight fucking therapy. Yeah. Like you're going right to therapy if you watch Black Cauldron. Yeah. That's an army of the dead, gross, rising out of cauldrons, moaning. Like, that's uh, the exact thing. That's the reason I fucking horrible. love his art style. You know, to jump back to the rescuers, it's a clear fucking shot when Bianca, yeah, when <laughs> Bianca and Bernard are in the uh, seagull or yeah. the yeah, he's yeah a seagull. seagull, not a pelican. And Pelican's the big mouth. Yeah, he's fucking diving down. And uh, they think they're just going to crash into the ground, and they're passing window after after window after window, and it's it's sneaky, it's sneaky as fuck. Yeah. You really have to have a frame by frame kind of. Uh, it's a couple uh, frames, but it's there. But it's there, and it's a chick like in a shower or something like yeah. that, and she's just titties, just flat out titties. That's all good for you. Yeah, I mean that's a realistic side of New York right there. Exactly. Uh, so uh, yeah. next one, uh, we talked about kind of a little bit with uh, the three minute baby one, basically revealing the truth or not, mm-hmm. and everything. And this one kind of delves into that. The Blair Witch Project, the original Blair Witch Project. One of, one of, if not my favorite marketing ploy, ever. Yeah. Uh, Perfect way to because run. Because for months, god damn it, man! You all you have to do is just fan the flames a little bit. I did. And people, the mob mentality goes ape shit. And for all intents and purposes, Heather and company, Heather, Mike, and Tom was that his name? Josh. Josh. <laughs> of course. Uh, Heather, Mike, Josh, all fucking died in the woods that day. Oh, yeah. All died in the woods that fucking night. It was one of the creepiest things I've ever heard, especially when they're they're in their tent at night and shit starts touching the tent and you hear it cracking through the woods and I was all, fuck your mom, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. Uh, brilliant filmmaking. Yes. Fucking brilliant. And it was like, what, a ten or $12,000 budget? And it and made, made multi-millions. And it made like 80-something million dollars oh, yeah. globally at that time, which, oh, fuck you guys. I remember listening to the Mark and Brian radio program. That's this how old I am. I was listening to the Mark and Brian radio program, and they had the they had the director of The Exorcist on there, and uh, they asked him, "What scares you? Like, what horror movies are out there that really pique your interest? You know, like that you think are cutting edge and all stuff?" And he goes, "I gotta tell you, the kids behind this Blair Witch Project are fucking phenomenal." And he says, "Because I bought into it too. Like, did, is this really found footage?" You know, because they kept so quiet about it. The studio was smart enough to let them run with it and then really pushed it. Yeah. Well, really remember the story uh, Kevin Smith told about him and Jen watching yeah. it. Yeah. And she's freaking out. Yeah. He had to call his, uh, Mark Gordon, I believe. Yeah. To confirm. It's like, they are alive. Yeah. yeah. They're, are you they're, sure? They're fine. <laughs> are you sure we don't have to go to the fucking woods in New then England? Why, why does somebody say that? Dude, uh, you know, and, and I'll tell you, because this, what, is it take place in Connecticut? No, uh, like Massachusetts, like it's in the it's Salem. Close. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's close. the Salem area. Okay, um, I've been to Salem, 
And I'll tell you, like, we went there in the winter, uh, February, snow all over the place, but something creepy fucking happens in that town. It's fucking insane. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's not necessarily a witch-related thing. I came back telling everybody, I think that fucking town is populated by vampires. And the reason that I say that, and it could be witches, it just could be, you know, the witching hour approaching or whatever it is. Um, but I'll tell you right now, when, when we were there, the place was hustle bustle, even with all the snow, hustle bustle, hustle bustle. As soon as that fucking sun started to begin to set, people frantically got the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> like they started closing up shops and shit way early. And I was all, what is happening? <laughs> Do I what need to it? know something? Yeah, and I was just like, and you'd see a few people that looked a little shady and a little overconfident standing around. I thought, we gotta leave. <laughs> like we're gonna fucking get eaten. This yeah. is I'm serious. I'm you know We're about to live a horror movie. Shall yeah. kid. Like that was literally gonna go down. Yeah. Is what I thought was gonna happen. And it, uh, it it's creepy. It's a creepy fucking place. So you said it, you know, in in the woods, the fucking woods. When you talk about woods, you think camp and you think big pine trees and shit. No. This is miles and miles of the thickest, densest fucking sticks. Just trees that are just, they look like emaciated, gaunt old men. Just, you know, just looming and it's creepy as shit. And, uh, man, they sold it so fucking well. So it was so easy to buy into. And, yeah, I remember having to get multiple people to confirm. There was, there was a time where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's totally fine. I was the asshole uh, stoking the flames. Dude, I saw something. I, I literally saw a picture of the girl who plays Heather, or Heather, if that's a real name. Yeah, they're all yeah. real names are Mike, okay, uh, right. Heather, and so Josh. I remember seeing a picture of Heather after the fact, like a month after the film came out, and they finally kind of swung like, it around fine. and you can see they're, they're okay and then somebody else came out with a fantastic fan theory and, and all this stuff and they're like no 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 this was pre-taped footage nice. uh, of the release you know or, or, or pre-taped footage and I'm like well but how were they in this trip and this person had such a sound theory that I was like no they are fucking dead they're real and I, I completely disbelieved everything that I'd heard on the news and uh, goddamn, what a, it just—it was a genius. It was a oh, genius yeah. fucking movie. That, one of the best horror movies ever put on film. So I guess uh, from low budget movie like that, let's take a look at a big budget: the urban myth that hoverboards exist. I haven't heard this. Uh, when the movie initially came out, mm-hmm. there was behind the scenes footage of Zemeckis going like, the "Hoverboards are real." We got them. <laughs> you dick, Bob. You dick. We, we got we we got this deal with Mattel and everything. We got the first prototypes and everything. You fucking turd. Yeah, and they showed footage, the footage and everything, and everything like that. And it was like everybody just owned it. Everybody owned oh. it. And then also too to kind of stoke that flame recently with the anniversary, the 2015 anniversary yeah. and everything like that. That started kicking up everybody trying to make them. Right, and, and I then, started seeing the magnetic hoverboard and things like yeah. yeah. That and then some people are going on. going with their theatrics, going like, mm-hmm. oh no, we're going to make it where it works, but it's theatric, it's the special effects. Uh, somebody else ran rampant with that and showed a uh, real version of a um, uh, this land speeder from uh, Star Wars, oh, yeah. Luke's, Luke's land speeder, the X seventeen, I think it is or whatever it is. But his uh, his fucking land speeder, and people were showing it, and, and it was so well edited. That I was all, is is that real? Is it? They get magnets. What are they fucking? How are they doing? No, it was <laughs> wheels the whole fucking time. But they did such it's, a great job that I was like, oh, it, it, it's great to have those smart people going like, oh, I'm gonna fuck with more people with this. <laughs> Bob Zemeckis, just yeah. fucking reaffirming that he's a genius. Uh, one that was, is an interesting one that's been out there forever. Well, at least since 1993, which is a little <laughs> bit of a detriment to Emerson Tomei, but 
still it floats around and especially with the recent goof up of uh la la land and uh moonlight oh okay, the okay. fact that uh jack Palance screwed up when he said marissa tomei won for my cousin Vinny. Oh, and she wasn't supposed to, but they just, Supposedly. instead of wanting to, to, yeah, to because, admit the mistake, they just let her roll Jack with it. Because Jack is an old man and everything. and Doing push-ups on stage. Yeah, yeah. but couldn't, didn't see correctly and read her name. Everybody said, oh, yeah, she didn't win, she didn't win, because it was someone else. And But now we know that would not happen. No. Yeah, yeah now that we have an, an honest God flub. Yeah. Um, you know, but still, just the fact that it was yeah, out like there. fuck off, dude. That was one of my favorite. She was so fuck. I just got done watching a clip of her giving her testimony in the courtroom. Yeah, well, I think it was. I think a lot of it stands with like how horror movies and comedies still have that stigma on them. Yeah, in the world of Oscars, where it's like, oh, it has to be drama, it has to be a serious role, and everything. Right, fuck off. You know, there, there's the, um, the the scene in the courtroom where she's proving that she's a, a credible witness. You know, yeah. and that she's a credible expert, and it's uh, Lane. I can't think of the fucking the actor who plays the uh, the Southern prosecuting attorney. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> right, uh, Perry White from fucking uh, uh, Lois and Clark. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, and he's talking to her, and he, she asked, he asked about the timing, the correct timing on a fifty-seven Bel Air, whatever, blah blah. And she's like, "It's a bullshit question," and she goes off. And when she gets done giving her. You know, but the correct timing on this would have been six points off dead center. And then her head just does this fucking Well, she owned the role. Like, she does a great she, job. There's it. no way they could have given that Oscar to anybody else. So exactly. I, I'd have cried bullshit on that, too. Yeah. There's the legend behind uh, the Charlton Heston uh, banner that there was a death in the chariot race and they kept it in. Look, I wouldn't have fucking been a, one bit surprised. That movie was epic scale. That one largest production film at the time. But the thing with that one is the Charlton Heston one. Mm-hmm. No, there was no dead body. There was nobody trampled by a uh, chariot that they kept the fil- the footage in there. The original Ben Hur, like the old school, like nineteen, let's say twenties. I'm totally wrong, but there's there's a black and white Ben Hur. Oh, is there? Yeah, and someone died, and they kept the footage in. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, because it it's wouldn't just, fucking surprise me. Like people, because, people have to have accidents and shit on stage, and if it looks good on film, unless you know. And, but also, too, back in that time, it wasn't a really a chance to go. Can we redo that yeah, and take the we, dead body yeah, like, out? Can we do that again and take the guy out of there and have everybody not be uh, all shook and rattled from the dead body? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, one kind of up your alley, uh, the Superman curse. Oh, how people, yeah, anybody yeah. who plays him either gets, yeah, fucking dies or the something goes shitty happens shit. to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, look. Uh, well, that I, one, this hole everywhere in there. Yeah, I get it. You know, uh, um, George Reeve was pigeonholed into that fucking character. Uh, Christopher Reeve uh, was pigeonholed in that character as well, Yeah, too. but they threw out the, in the curse uh, stuff with that was his accident with the horse. Like, with the horse. Yeah, right? because the horse was a Batman fan. You know, Batman does have a horse. And you know they're talking about a super uh, animals movie now. Go, f- Warner Brothers, knock it the fuck off. Yeah. Knock it. Let's. Hey, can we consecutively get a couple of superhero movies right before we go and fuck something else up? Well, Stop l- it. Luckily, the writer of the Lego Batman movie is yes. in charge of that one. Still. But still, I totally fucking agree. That's just dumb. God damn it. But yeah, the the Superman curse is it's there. It's, yeah. But it's kind of in the vein of the Crow curse, where it's just like 
<laughs> Think about how many people have played Superman. Both yeah. animated, television, radio syndicate, exactly. all that shit. And two of them, two of them got really fucking hurt. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> one of them got really fucking dead. The other one got really hurt. Yeah. The next one up is that Stanley Kubrick was part of the moon landing hoax. And he put clues in uh, The Shining on that. The, I've heard this. Yeah, like I've The Room this. 237. I believe it was 237 million miles or 237,000 miles from Earth to the moon. To the moon. Yeah, um, the floor in the Overlook Hotel, the carpet, that orange carpet, yeah. matches the NASA runway stuff, like walkway areas. Huh. There's a lot of them to it, but also, too, it's like, um, you know what, That's that falls into, like, hardcore conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean, you really have to be reaching for shit. I'm sure if you give me a plethora of fucking information, I can tie in. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon. You can find a way to draw conclusions on shit from all over the place if you have enough shit to draw from. Exactly. So, you know, whatever. And, like, I literally just watched a video yesterday or day before uh, where, like, did Buzz Aldrin just confirm that there was no fucking moon landing? He's talking to a little girl about why they haven't gone back to the moon, and he's trying to put it into a, a way that would frame it up for her yeah, at it, seven or eight years old. He can't old. really say, why would we? Well, and he's also, like, fucking 80 or 90-something years old. Like, he's an old dude now. And so when Buzz was talking, he's, no, don't get me wrong, he's still sharp as shit. But, yeah. you know, you're getting in there and he's stammering over stuff and stuff like that. And sure, the first thing he says is, like, you know, like, no, you know, we, you know we, we didn't go. We didn't, we just, and what he's trying to refer to is we didn't go back and we didn't understand why. Well, you at know, least and, the little girl didn't ask him about his moon socks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, right. Go to the next. Fuck off. I'm done with this one. <laughs> Uh, the next one up, uh, we did talk about Poltergeist Curse, and mm-hmm. there's uh, another one, uh, The Exorcist. The curse behind The Exorcist, yeah. and that's some creepy shit. There's a whole lot of creepy shit in there. Uh, again, that same interview with the, the director, he says in there that um, they were like, well, how did you get the sounds to come out of Reagan like that? You know, like yeah. how, how, And it's different mixes of animal sounds and shit like that, like the low growl of a big cat, you know, all yeah. that stuff. But there's a loop of, I want to say it's like uh, 9 to, to 12 seconds of the only recorded exorcism and it was done in like 1930 something yeah and there's a sound that comes out of this person that no fucking forensic group has ever been able to identify it's just otherworldly and horrible and they put it on a sound loop whenever she would do her you know and you'd hear all that shit and people were like, no, you fuck with the wrong thing. I know people to this day that will not allow that movie in their home because of the religious aspects of it that was a weird thing like um it took forever for me to actually sit down and watch it. Because Were I, you underwhelmed when you finished? Yes, very. Because but, it's too fucking built up, right? Yeah, it did but, the same to me. But also, too, I went to the theater and saw it. It was one of those Cinemark Ooh, Classic nice. showcases. So I was like, screw it. I've never seen it. I'm going to see this right and right. on the big screen. And it's kind of like the same thing with like uh, Clockwork Orange and all those m- different movies. I was underwhelmed, but also, too, and like uh, uh, Holy Grail. Like, it was meh to me, but also, too, I'm like, I can see why people shit themselves in the seventies on this one. Right. Because nobody had tackled anything like that. Nobody had done anything, you know, nobody had ever done anything with such a serious, like a real believed religious aspect. Oh yeah. And it's still believed to this day, you know, like I know people that won't get hypnotized because they feel like that opens you up for demonic possession. Exactly. And then also other stuff that happened on set, like the accidents, lightning strikes and just, you know what though? If we're gonna do that, we can flip the script and go the same way with like the uh, the Passion no, of the Christ. Yeah. When uh, Caviezel got Caviezel got fucking hit by lightning twice, twice, yeah. 
Twice! Once when he was on the cross, or yeah. no, when he was carrying it on his way up to fucking Mount Jesus, pardon my language. Literally. Literally, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Could you imagine? Maybe wouldn't it wasn't that, a fan. Wouldn't that fucking make you just go, mm. I'm out. <laughs> you know, once you just go, oh my God, like the religion, like maybe God just didn't like him. Boom, he gets hit again. You go, yeah, you know what? We're done. Yeah. Let's wrap. It's a good one. Craft maybe, services. Maybe Jesus is a diehard fan, wasn't a big fan of Holy Lethal Weapon. Holy hell, you know, like. <laughs> So, there, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that. You just go, mm, maybe somebody was trying to get something across. Yeah, and, but the funny thing is, they're doing a sequel. To Passion of the Christ? Yeah, the, the I think... The fuck is it, like... The Resurrection, I die think. Die Hard with Vengeance or something? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Resurrection, pal! <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it's more just Mel and everybody kind of like, well, everybody else is doing it, so... Why not? We, it, honestly, done right, they'll get another guaranteed billion from right. all the churches and stuff. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm finally on board, looking forward to the sequel to Mary Poppins, and now you're throwing this at me. So, oh yeah, I have no faith in anything anymore. <sighs> but do you have faith in the Beatles? Uh yeah, because all you need is love, man. <laughs> nice. All you fucking need is love. You know which legend I'm about to talk about? Uh, Guessing game here. Oh, the the I buried Paul. That no. Paul McCartney's dead. Yeah, really Paul McCartney's dead. dead. Yeah, the yeah. Paul. Uh, by the way, one of the creepiest fucking things you'll ever hear. Oh yeah. Oh, my sweet Jesus! Uh, somebody told me about this and then played it for me, and I said, uh, "Don't ever leave me in a room alone with that portion of it because it gets to the psychedelic part of something." <laughs> fucking flutes and it gets really weird, and in the midst of it, you hear that fuck John Lennon go. I buried Paul. <laughs> Fuck you! It was one of the creepiest moments at the time because Paul had been out of the spotlight for a while. Exactly. Nobody had seen him. Well, uh, he was just kind of taking a sabbatical. Well, the legend was that he got in a car accident yeah, and died. got killed. And yes. they, and during that downtime, yeah. they brought in the... I forget the name of the dude because it was weird. Like, he does look like him too. There was a weird documentary I watched late one night <laughs> it's where they compelling. I'll tell you went that. through it all, and yes. I'm just sitting there going like, "You get done with it, and you're like, this might be real." Paul McCartney's dead. And you look at fucking Paul, and you're like, "Well, he's had some work." Yeah. What the fuck? And is then they happening? point out all the different yeah. clues, like the cover of Abbey Road, oh. him with bare feet, and bare them standing feet, in yeah, certain yeah, positions. Yeah, yeah. The clues on Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> The Again, it's the conspiracy theory stuff, but this one was nuts, and it's all because of fucking John and his stupid need to say something funny Random. at the end of that song, and it scared the shit out of the planet. Yeah, it's, it is. It's it's literally one of the scariest things I've ever. Heard. Oh yeah, and that, that one is one to dive deeper. And if you could find that documentary, if you could find the documentary. Seriously, tell me the up. title because I really would like it's, to try to find it again. Fucking so creepy. Just listen to. Just type in the last bit of. Um, Strawberry Fields. That's where it comes from. Oh, God. Just type in the, the uh, uh, I Buried Paul Strawberry Fields on, on YouTube or whatever and just listen to it and try not to have nightmares. Yeah. I'm sorry. But Enjoy try not that. To have nightmares. But to go from one person's death to multiple deaths or non deaths or whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> the one. That, I'm intrigued. Continue. The one I have listed mm-hmm. is going to expound into a lot more because I'm talking about. Andy Kaufman still being alive. Oh, you know, and they and touched then, on that in Man in the Moon. Yeah. Well, uh, there, there's some truth behind that. Well, yeah, because the dude who... It, um, Zamuda. Yeah. And Tony Clifton. still yes. Tony Clifton still roams around. Right. Because the, the whole thing wow. was when Andy wanted to do the Carnegie Hall show, 
in the movie, Danny DeVito. It's always going back to Danny DeVito yeah, right. with us because Six he's a sexy little Danny bastard. Okay, I'll close with a fucking my uh, a story of meeting him in Real Pro. Yeah, you, yeah, you've already told like multiple times. Uh, I'm yeah. old and I forget. Yeah, we can do it again. Nah, if I get oh, yeah. just shut up. Well, I like leave how you, me and my droopy old unshavable balls alone. I like how you do Rhea Perlman calling you a son of a bitch. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, but um, the, you sexy thing. <laughs> okay, so and he's doing the Carnegie Hall gig, and his manager Danny DeVito's like, "How are you going to pay for this?" Tony Clifton, well, he owes me a favor, and he's like, "This is going to be kind of a big show. He's going to have that money." He's like, "He'll work it. He'll do it." Right. And ever since then, Tony Clifton has still been roaming around. Fucking nuts, isn't it? Yeah. And you can't get near him. Yeah. You can't get fucking near I don't near think him. it's Bob Zamuda anymore. I don't think it's Bob Zamuda either, but holy crap. Like, you it, know. It's, a, it's running with a joke. It wouldn't shock me in any measure to find out that Andy Kaufman, at the end of his life, in all the despair and all the... You know stuff, and we have that the one cancer that one ravaging his body. Yeah, that one catharsis moment where he's you know he's bald from the chemo, and he's you know, and he goes to the faith healer and realizes it's a fucking scam, and he yeah. chuckles and laughs about it. It wouldn't shock me to any measure to know that he shifted gears and went from trying to stay alive to convincing everybody that he didn't die. Well, that's the thing. It like- would be the greatest fucking joke. Ever. Like the close of the movie with the film yeah. of him at the funeral. He yeah. actually did that. He actually uh, conducted his funeral. Yeah. And that's the thing. And then that kind of expand, like I said, it opens a door up for other ones. It's like the Elvis still being alive. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to call him the Elvis. <laughs> it's okay. I, the, think, I think he's one of those few people that you can. Okay. And then yeah. the Tupac. And then. All those other ones were just like. Oh. I'll tell you what, though, when Tupac's hologram came come come ram, rising out of the stage at Coachella, and that place went, it's an open air venue, and just been, and the entire fucking thing went dead silent. It's just like we all, oh my god, Tupac's a force ghost. Yeah, and it sounded like him. They did it and perfectly. It moved like him, well, and I was all, oh my. god. God. Well, I remember when Tupac died and everything, yeah. and he then a couple of days, like a month or so after the Machiavelli CD came out, yeah. and then everybody started it predicted everything. Started pinpointing Machiavelli, like the real Machiavelli stuff, where he faked his death and all yep. that stuff and everything. It's like, oh shit, yes. And that and it falls right into Andy and everything, where it's just like, did he fucking do this? You know, I'm I'm. It's well, I'll tell you right now. It's one of the things I'm still not entirely convinced. Huh? I, you know, well, can I can I subscribe to the idea that Biggie was killed? Yes, even though he did some very predicting stuff as well. So it could be a joint effort. But Tupac shit, oh my! First of all, he, he lyrically an amazing poet. Oh yeah, a fucking amazing poet. Holy Christ! The the connections, the ties. Some of them are are so profound that it's hard to refute. It's hard to refute. You just go. Clearly, he has to be alive. Yeah, he he's clearly telling everybody he's fucking alive. Period. You know, and there was so much surrounding the the, the gunshots into the SUV and the timing of people showing up and who saw what and who saw this person and all that stuff. You know, and it's just like, wow, fucking wow. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised. I you know I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, well, during the research and everything, I did come across an article on Snopes about a homeless man being found in Nashville. That was revealed to be Elvis. After they found a dead homeless guy, and 
It was, this is Elvis. You know, there's, and I'll give you one more one more conspiracy theory here. Or not conspiracy theory, but uh, urban, urban legend. legend. For, the, for the longest time, the relatives of uh, Frank and Jesse James yeah. claimed Jesse was not killed. Uh, Jesse was not killed by Robert Ford. Like, this, this didn't happen. This isn't what happened. There was discussion of it. They knew he needed to get out of the spotlight. He lived to be in his 80s. We dug him like his he's his he's buried here, not here. This isn't who this That's is. Cool. And they're like, do the DNA testing. And I remember this. This was 15, 20 years ago that this this was on TV. So we were just on the cutting edge of DNA matching and stuff like that. And I, I'd have to look it up and see where it went back to. But from everything that I still remember, they DNA tested and they gave them permission to exhume the body. And they exhumed a skeleton, and they DNA tested as best they could, and sure as shit, DNA linked to fucking, you know. And they they say that no, he didn't fucking die then at all. That's so, he was he you know like he, he needed he changed to get out his of name, and he raised his family here, and he you know like he he became and it would have it would have put a cap to the greatest fucking outlaw in the history of. United States, as far as you know, the Wild West and all that stuff is oh, yeah. concerned, and uh, that he was able to quietly just go fucking wow. fade to black. Yeah, so you know, I'd have to look into it more. But there you go. There's another. There's another little urban legend for you. I know it doesn't necessarily play into film, but it does. It with, works, you know, and it, it's the assassination perfect. of you know uh, Jesse James uh, by the coward Robert Ford. See, and, there you go. Yeah. So, anyhow, yeah, um, I think that about wraps the urban legends up. I think we did them all. The best we can, and if you happen to know of any, if you if you're please. like, oh, how did you fucking miss this? Please hit us up. I would love to highlight it and put it on our, our website and be like, hey, look, you know, yeah, or we even do a revisit episode because there's more. Yeah, there's it, more. We can do more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's so many things out there that people just go, oh no, you missed this and this. We film. got another three years there's to the, fill up. <laughs> there's the fucking death curse of the the 918 spider uh, Porsche that that killed. Uh, 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 they killed Dean. fucking James Dean yep. and has disappeared and everybody who's ever came across that has died. Oh, yeah. Shit, it was featured in fucking Supernatural. Oh, yeah. And uh, as, as a killing machine, you know, sort of thing. So uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. So feel free to hit us up if there's something we missed. Facebook.com slash Nowhere California and Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. Or Nick and Josh at Pornhub. No, I'm sorry. That's Don't not right. give our private emails out. <laughs> But like I said, we got three more years to fill up. So if you got more, tell us. Yeah, bu- and, buckle up for this shit show. Yeah, because we're still going strong, bitches. Yeah, and uh, I guess to close everything up, uh, yep. just kind of discuss a little bit more about our end of our seventh year going into our eighth year. Yeah, I was trying to figure out the best way to mention this topic in this episode, and I figured to close that episode out. I think it would be the best way to do it, talking about John Schnapp. The yeah. The creative mind, one of the creative minds behind the de- the one death of, of f- Superman lives. One what, of my favorite documentaries. What happened and the man behind Metalocalypse and so many different things. Because yeah. after his passing, I dove a little bit deeper because the, like for a while I've been thinking like, oh wow, who's my morbid mind thinking like who who that we've met during our t- podcasting time? Who's going to be that first person to pass? And it's him. And yeah, and, and it sucks because he's one of the. He was we one didn't of the get that nicest. interview either. No, and that and I, I I kick myself on a fucking nightly basis since his passing, because I realized I could have got the interview. We, no. we both could have because no. remember I approached him too at at uh, Ontario, the last LA Comic Con. Yeah, when I was interviewing Mike Zapsic, gotcha. he came up and started talking to Mike. Oh. 
and I was like, I froze, and I could have easily been like, it's hard because there's so many poignant questions I wanted to ask about the the, the you know death of the the you know and the, the shows coming up and like how Kevin Smith talked about them working on what uh, what happened series, right? Exactly, and it, you know, I'll tell you right now that documentary is so fucking good. When I started, I was like, "There's no way in hell Nicolas Cage is ever playing Superman." By the time we got done with that film, I'm all Tim Burton is a goddamn genius, and why Nicolas Cage isn't playing Superman right now is beyond my fucking grasp. And that it was is fabulous. A lot of credit was to John. Yes, 100. percent The way he framed it up, the way he went after it, it was literally. It's in my top five of fucking documentaries. Yeah. It's one of the best things ever done, and it's done from not a shitty snide kind of. Nicholas Cage playing. No, it's like it starts out with this. that whole like, yeah, yeah. I would, I would have been like, what too? Like he's gonna play a Superman. But by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, it, clearly he was the choice. Clearly he was the fucking choice to play him. And, and he, he was just such a fucking tremendous nice guy. He was a bastion to the nerdum. Yes. Yeah, and like we said, with the times that we crossed paths with him, really insanely cool dude. Yeah. And he was just one of us. Yeah. And that's, that's it. He literally was. He was just a fucking nerd with us. He would he would go and geek out with Rob Liefeld and different people like yeah. that at the, at the shows, and well, get autographs and things like that. Well, you look at the uh, the days after. How many people were just like, no, 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 because how much he was there, and that's kind of the thing I wanted to kind of spin into here. Like he was one of us that just took the world he wanted and worked at it. He he jumped into Metalocalypse. He jumped into the documentaries and everything and put his passion there. And that's what we've been doing here for the past seven years. I know we've had our speed bumps and everything like that, but everybody that has stepped behind our microphones, our multiple microphones <laughs> over the years, right? we have such good passion towards this. And as we usually would do it at the beginning of the episode for our anniversary episodes, I'm going to do it right now and thank everybody that has taken the time out to listen to us, that, that has taken the time out to step behind these microphones or step behind our voice recorder and just talk to us yeah. and everything and given us, given us credibility that one, we probably don't deserve, but over the, but to punch and kick away my usual self deprecation, right? Looking at our seventh year coming to a close and our yeah. eighth year coming up, we fucking deserve every bit of it. We've, Absolutely. We've we, worked know. our asses off for this, and it's thanks to you, Nick, Doug, Phil. Uh, fucking Matt. Matt White. Uh, Matt White. Michael Alonzo. Michael Alonzo. Monique. Your wife, yes. Christina. The people from Queen Goria. George from Mohel. Fucking my mother-in-law for helping out watching the kids so that we can yes. get recording done. So my, my three-year-old, uh, nobody's called the CPS on me. Because of the swearing, yeah. and then which, by the way, she uses in fucking proper context, which is uh, a bonus. Yeah, I mean I, I, that's just a teaching aid, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. some people would say it's bad parenting, <laughs> whatever. Uh, you know, but it would give when you're in fucking business. Yeah, it gives me a fucking break so that she, you know, so that you and I can sit down and record. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> you know, from all of those people. Yeah, and just you people that listen to us. What do you mean, you people? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, like we. It, it's been a symbiotic nature. We've all supported one another. And yeah. I think that's what's made us stand out from other people. Yeah. You know? Uh, that's the one thing I still hear every time when somebody either continues listening to us or starts listening to us. So yeah. Like, I can seriously jump into your guys' conversation and right. roll with it. And there's, I've told you when I, when I first started listening to the podcast, what drew me to wanting to record with you guys was the fact that I found myself yelling at nobody with my headphones on because you guys would say something. I'd be like, that, no, you're missing... Fucking 
ah, and I, you know, or I'd be like, no, you're totally, Josh, totally right, shut up, Phil, and you know, or vice versa, or however it would work out, and it was, you know, it's infectious. No, oh, yeah, it's infectious, and that really, since we're we're moving into this, and I, I'm going to try to, you know, I always tend to. To kind of wrap things up with a poetic flair, and I'm I'm going to do the same thing right here, yeah. but I'm going to I'm going to keep this as honest as possible. In this day and age where hatred and bigotry and misogyny and everything else, uh, ignorance is so fucking flourished and celebrated, and 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 seems to be kind of running things. Take take the time to have a fun debate about Batman and Superman. Take the time to talk about the important shit, films and the stuff that allows us to step outside of this shitty world and and the and the things that we have to deal with. That allow us to escape for a couple of hours into something, you know, like uh, like Citizen Twain, like fucking Tombstone, like The Exorcist, like Blair Witch Project, whatever it or might be, podcasting. like our fucking podcast, exactly, yeah. like our podcast or anybody else's fucking podcast out there, whatever gives you, you know, anything that you can take knowledge from or or take some joy from, that's what we're here for. Yeah. That's what that's what we're all here for is just to, not to entertain, but to share and commune and to bust each other's balls in a fun loving way and just enjoy this crazy condition we call life exactly and you know so just that's that's our goal here at nowhere we could have fucking thrown in the towel a long time ago oh god yeah and you know what it wouldn't i would have hated if we did yeah so I'd rather have no listeners and know that we just did this from the from the pure passion aspect of it. Well, it's like I've said in the past, or do you, do you oh, like I've said in the past. Um, Thank you, though. But go ahead. I really have to meet Kevin Smith, talk to him soon. Not like in a stalker. Like I got to talk to you, just like be able to go, dude. Yeah, just to convey. Yeah, and I want to say to him like, thank you so much for Smod, because yeah. you gave this guy, pun intended, from nowhere, a voice. Yeah. I had a voice. It just needed that right channel. And luckily with Kevin's past health issues, yeah. we did not lose him because I now I know I got it. What a it. fucking trooper, by the way. Oh, good God Lord. damn, dude. That would have killed 99% of everybody else. And yeah. He fucking almost shrugged it off. Because To me, it's because he's such a freaking positive bastion in this I world. I 100% agree with you. And when the world deserves it. you have that much, and Ralph teases him about it, but I know it's one of the things he loves the most about him. But it's... It, when you come from a place of such positivity and such wonderful things, then life is worth living. And that's it's the worth thing. being involved in. With my problems with anxiety and depression yeah. and everything, Kevin Smith has been like that role model for me to go yeah. like, if I can have an ounce of positivity that he has, then I'm good. Yeah. I, I can do this. And then... He's the freaking, I guess, like Grand Pooba, the prophet of why not. And yeah. with Nowhere California leading into our 10th year and everything, I really want us to, we can't be the prophet. but No, we, we got to drive that home. We can, we can spread we can the word. Be, we can be the missionaries yes, for why we can, not. we can spread the word. It's weird that we've said spread, missionary, <laughs> yeah. all this, all this it, shit that Kevin would zero in on and be like, all I heard was dick and fucking. Uh, because <laughs> that's Nowhere's quality for the past 10 years. But for... To, for us to be missionaries, why not? Because we've yeah. said it before, if you're in the dumps, you're, you, if you're even thinking about ending things, grab a mic, do it. Do, do that shit that you never thought you'd do because you might find the greatest joy. You because know? there's too many whys in the world. Exactly. You know, and it's funny because I, my wife and Kevin, thank you very much. Uh, got me into Degrassi, <laughs> and there was <laughs> Jimmy Brooks, good old Aubrey, aka Drake, uh, 
who's taken many risks and look where he's at now. Uh, there, there's a line in there when he's in the wheelchair. It's like, you know, you, you fucking miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. It's such a fucking corny oh, yeah. adage, but it's true. Just yeah. do, just step out there and do it. Yeah. What the fuck is any different? Yeah. If you if you did if you don't do it, nothing nothing's any different. Nothing's, gonna nothing's change. any different. If you if you try it, shit may be exactly the same, but at least you have an answer to your question. Well, I think uh, Kevin said it also too, where it's like, dude, it's not failure. You're just practicing next succeeding. Well, yeah, and that's the old Thomas Edison thing. Yeah. I didn't fucking learn a thousand ways to to. You know, like I didn't fail a thousand times at making a light bulb. I learned a thousand different ways how not to make a light bulb. And that's the best way I think to <laughs> yeah. wrap this up is if you're down and everything, find that thing that puts a smile on your face. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if it doesn't work, one thing doesn't work. And as long as it's legal, don't want to hear about murders or. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. It's, it's true. like. If it's streaking or something, fuck, do it. Do it. Yeah. Or, well, depending on where you're streaking. Misdemeanor. Yeah. Yeah. Misdemeanor is okay. Felonies? No. No. But find that smile and fucking just run with it. Chase that dragon. Chase the smile. And if you lose it, you'll find another way to pick it up. And that's been the way I've been doing this is sitting behind this mic, talking to my best friends and exposing yeah. their talents to the world without little, without any legal Well, thank confer- you. Thank you for keeping confirmation. us on, on track, <laughs> which is so ironic because we go off the rails so often. Oh, but, uh, you know, thank you for still being, for being the commanding and the driving force behind this. I, I can't thank you enough for, for this wonderful gift that we, you know, I get to share in with you. And uh, it's, it's one of the things that I very narcissistically will as soon as it's posted, I'll listen just so I can laugh I still at the can't. shit we talk about. Yeah, this just, I still can't listen to my voice. I see. I listen and I go, so fucking funny that we talked about this and oh, he caught that joke and oh, we did the you know, and it's because it's just a, it's just a dose of magic for me. So you guys, like you said, you know, find that joy, find that smile, find that magic, and just fucking run with it. Yeah, just run with it. You know, find it, get it, and go after it. So, so I guess with that being said, I for Douglas Porter, Philip Morgan, Matt White, Monique Porter. Christina Dye, Matt, did I say Matt White already? Uh, say it again. Matt White. Hey, there Matt, for all the times we have forgotten about you, you've got a double dip. Yeah, there, there you go. Uh, Michael Alonzo, everybody from Queen Goria, from Oh Hell, everybody we've met in the conventions, all you guys listening right now, and from me, Joshua Gilmore. And, and me, Nicholas Dye. This has been Nowhere California. Thank you for the seven years. Here comes number eight, bitches.